and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Remnant Call. I'm your host, Brother Frank, and glad to be here with you tonight. And I just want to say special thanks to um, everyone out there, the support I get when I get emails or posts and things like that, just um, for the journey my family and I have been through in the last few weeks. Of course, you know, I've shared uh, my heart with you all about some attacks, and um, but you know, I've realized God is so good and is much pain and heartache and hurt there was um, just like when the baby comes forth, there's joy. And I am so thankful because the Lord did that, which I could never do. And he's been very gracious. And I need to folks. The one thing it's in, you've got to always remember in your walk, even when you come into the face where you maybe have been justifiably wrong, wronged, I mean, and those people may have really literally done you the wrong way. That remember when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I have to remind myself, too, at times, Frank, pray for those people. Pray for them, because they are also in need of Jesus, just like you are. And so, folks, when you've done, someone's done you wrong, don't stop praying for them. Keep praying for them. God might just touch them and change them around and restore your relationship back with them one day. Well, anyways, you can catch out the catch the last uh, few episodes, uh, slaying the prophets of Baal, um, the abomination of desolation happening in the church. If you don't think it is, you need to listen to that episode. You actually might be committing it. Because it's deeper than something just physical. There is a spiritual side to that prophecy, anybody to listen to, because it will re-challenge your walk with the Lord to start re-examining your own self and your sacrifices in your life of prayer and thanksgiving and different things. Well, I won't spoil it. You'll have to listen to it yourself. Anyways, with all that, I'm not going to waste your time because our favorite guest is back on tonight, Brother Benjamin Baruch, who is, well, of course, I have lots of favorite guest, but this is the man who, well, praise the Lord, used his book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand, in 1999. I left my home strung out, crystal meth, running around, doing everything wrong as a husband that you could ever imagine, and God saved my life and my family in one day and used that book to shake a rotten, drug addict, violent man who had an ego the size of Texas, and he brought me to my knees in one day and saved, and it was just a miracle. So I love this man that I'm getting ready to bring on here. Brother Benjamin, are you here with us tonight? Hey, Frank. Hi. How are you? Man, brother, thank you so much, Benjamin. Uh, You know, it's been 19 years this March 
um, that I've been now, of course, sober and straight. And uh, brother man, you know that you'll always have a place in my heart and my family um, that, uh, you know what I mean? You just, the words can never express how thankful we are that the Lord used that book and uh, to, to wake me up. You know, he used my, he, he had my daughter was Amen. born and then someone handed me that book. And so my daughter was born to grab my attention and the Lord handed me that book to save my life. And that's when I met Jesus. What was Jesus. the brother's <laughs> name that gave you that copy? Brother Jim. Brother Jim. Jim. Jim, God praise the Lord. Jim. Jim suffered a ton for that. You know what I mean? He was faithful, oh, man. Yeah. Handed your book out. And uh, whoosh, he's still a good friend of well, mine to this day. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because the Lord called each of us out of the world, the world you know, that shows us the left hand of fellowship on a regular basis. <laughs> or the right foot. You know, in this particular time, as the red horse of war has been stirring up the minds of the people, there's just an agitation and anger that is literally underneath the surface that volcano in Hawaii is sort of a picture of society. You know, the, the lava is just erupting, one fissure after another. And, mm-hmm. you know, and in this, this late hour, it's really, you know, the, the most horrible commentary is that a man's enemies have become the members of his own house. It's so sad. And when children so turning his parents and... You know, your brother against brother and sister against mother. And, you know, and that's what's going on. It is. The country is a house divided. The church is a house divided. You know, if you don't agree with my view of Bible prophecy, you're a heretic, cries, you know, so many different camps. And and everybody's at everybody's throats now, Frank. And, And the reality is, you know, your comment beforehand that we really need to be praying for the people that have despitefully used us. Amen. You know, and it's, it's everywhere. And, and it's true. They know not what they do, brother. That's right. You know, Benjamin, There's uh, you and I were talking before the program, and I know, folks, tonight's program is from the book of Amos, and, and uh, you'll probably need to strap in for this one, okay? But, Benjamin, you were talking and sharing something with me earlier, and, and folks, I just want to preempt something I'd love for Benjamin to share here with you all. Remnant Call, we ask for nothing. We don't solicit money. We don't do any of that stuff. Um, and we're thankful for those who have sent money. Um, and we really appreciate it, but we don't ask for anything here. Um, but we do believe that the mission of the gospel needs to go forward. And Benjamin, you were sharing something with me earlier, and I was wondering if you could just take a moment uh, to share with the um, with the audience here about uh, a couple that you know of that are going out to spread the good news that are feeling called down into Panama. Could you take a moment to just share before you get into this episode? Because we want the gospel to go forward. And uh, so, Benjamin, please share with us what's going on. Yeah, praise God. And before we uh, go there, let's just pray for a moment to consecrate this time. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. Father, there is not a one of us worthy on our own accord. Every one of us comes 
under the covering of the blood of the Lamb. Father, we come in obedience to your commandment to boldly appear before the throne of grace and, and to mm, present yeah. our needs. Lord, tonight I present this hour, and I ask that you would consecrate it, you would bless it. Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, a word of truth would come forth to the edification of many. Bring conviction. Lord, work your work in each of our lives and, and, and bless our time together in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Yeah, brother, I, Amen. I shared with you earlier today, I've got some dear friends who are part of the prayer army. Uh, the Lord literally told me, I, wa- I want you to gather gather together an army of, of intercessors, an army of people that would pray. And, and so, you know, the invitation went out. And at this point, I would say there's about 250 people that have signed up to be part of the prayer ministry that is really the, the power behind the, the ministry and the teachings that the Lord has given me to share, because without the prayer covering, without the prayer support, we wouldn't be accomplishing nearly as much in the Spirit, because, you know, the real battle that's happening is in the Spirit, but two of the members of this prayer ministry are people that I've become close friends with, Bruce and Rhonda Johnson, and the Lord has put a call on them called them to Panama, and they will be leaving in about two weeks' time. And they're going forth in faith that God will provide. And they're not shipping a container full of provisions, and, and, um, and they're not going with a large bank account either. As a matter of fact, they, are, they still don't have all the funds that they need to uh, comply with the the visa residency requirements in Panama, and so they've been looking to the Lord and um, and praying that God would send like-minded believers alongside to help lift their hands. And you know, I know Rhonda and, and Bruce as friends. I know them as believers. I know them as people of prayer, and I know them as people who are full of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. And and I know the Lord has called them. And you know, when there are a lot of ministries in the world. But there are not a lot of ministries that are ordained by the Lord, which are filled with the Holy Spirit, and which are intended to accomplish great things for the kingdom. And, and I, my own personal conviction is that the Johnson family, and even their children, are, are being called by the Lord. And I would just Amen. shout out to Rini and, and the rest of the, the Johnson children. You know, God bless you. You are in our prayers. And... You know, I have been praying about the the financial needs um, that they face, and they're going anyway. They're going on faith with a suitcase and a backpack, and they're not taking much more than that. And I really felt that uh, I should at least share with the community that has been listening and blessed by the messages that I've been bringing forth the need in this part of the body. Um, and there's a link to a GoFundMe page if you want to uh, contribute and, and help towards the goal of raising sufficient funds for them to have the minimum, of, minimum amount of money to get into the country with residency visas. And that's what we're praying and believing for. And, you know, Frank, I, I share, like you, the same sentiment. I don't ever ask for money for myself. I don't... I don't have a PayPal tab on my website. I didn't come forward to share the word that God gave me, um, and I, it, I didn't want it in any way to appear compromised. And so, you know, I've never asked 
for really anything from the people. But from time to time, when I see a ministry that I know is of the Lord and that I know has a need, and I've talked in the past about an orphanage in India that God's doing great things through, and you know, and now I just want to bring the, the Johnson family before you. Um, you know, pray for Rhonda and Bruce Johnson. Pray for the family and pray for their ministry to Panama. And they are being called to go ahead of the remnant and they're going as missionaries but they're also going to make a way for the remnant and for the wayfaring ones and so you know this is a remnant ministry and it is in the center of the heart of god and you know those who bless the people of god in the name of the lord share in the reward that god gives to those who did the work so you know this is not so much a request as it is an opportunity for you to to give to something that is truly of God. And, you know, I share, there's sort of a, you know, I don't know the word to use. Um, People are burnt out on this idea of giving because so many charlatans came into the body of Christ. And, you know, and the whole thing was about money. And, you know, you go to these Christian television satellite networks, and all they've done for for 40 years pretty much is raise money. And uh, people built 35,000 square foot houses and they fly around in private jets and and you know they live the lifestyles of the rich and the famous and the you know and all that was done in the name of the kingdom and it's a complete fraud and that's you know none of us want to be involved in the fleecing of the flock but there are legitimate needs in the body of Christ and the Lord said to each of us you know what you've done to the least of these that are my brethren you've done unto me and so, you know, when we find a true work of God, um, you know, we should not dismiss the opportunity because, you know, it is a blessing to be able to stand with the people that the Lord has truly called. And and um, so, you know, and let me just leave it there. I would ask each of you guys, put them on your prayer list. If you're praying people, and every one of us should be, remember Bruce and Rhonda Johnson uh, remember their children. They're stepping out in faith, and and you know pray and, and ask the Lord if uh, God would put it on your heart to contribute. Even a small contribution will help. And um, I love these guys. They're they're good friends of mine. They're practically family to me, and and I'm going to be standing with them. And I encourage you to do the same. And praise the Lord. God's doing new things. He's doing a new thing in their life, and He's about to do a new thing in in yours as well. And He's beginning a new work in the earth. And so, amen, let's, uh, let's get into the book of Amos. Let's Shall do we? it, brother. Yes. Hallelujah. But, you know, and I, <laughs> I guess it's kind of my style. When I start a Bible study in a certain book in the Bible, I always seem to start in another book. So we're going to start our study in Amos in First Chronicles, in chapter 21, uh, beginning in verse 15. And, you know, this is after David had had great success and, and had been tempted by Satan and had disobeyed the express command of the Lord and had numbered Israel or commanded the numbering of Israel. And the Lord had begun to move in judgment and an angel had been sent into Jerusalem. And because of David's sin, the people were being judged. And 70,000 men had died at this point in the reading of the scripture. And God sent an angel unto Jerusalem to destroy it, verse 15 of Chronicles, 1 Chronicles 21. And as he was destroying, the Lord beheld, and he repented of the evil 
And he said to the angel that destroyed, it is enough. Stay now thy hand. And well, at that point, 70,000 had died. And David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between the earth and the heavens, having a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. And then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, and no doubt they were fasting as well, because when you put on sackcloth in ancient Israel, you didn't go out to eat. You went into your prayer closet in prayer and fasting. But they were in sackcloth. They fell upon their faces before the angel of the Lord. And on today... The angel of the Lord is standing between the heaven and the earth, and his sword is drawn. It's in his hand, only now it's stretched out over America as well. And the Lord is about to begin the judgment. Verse 18, then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad, a prophet, to speak to David and to say to him, Go up and set an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And David went at the saying of God. And Ornan turned back, and he saw the angel, and his four sons were with him. They hid themselves. Now Ordon was threshing wheat. Notice the timing of the judgment. It was the time of the wheat harvest. It was in the time of the summer. The threshing floor was in business. And God was beginning to do his threshing and his sheathing of the wheat with the angel that had come. Verse 22, David said to Ornan, Grant me this place of the threshing floor that I may build an altar to the Lord. And give it to me for full price, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said to David, Take it. Let my lord the king do that which is good. I give you the oxen for the burnt offerings. I give you the threshing instruments for the wood, the wheat, for the meat. I give it all to you, my king. And the king said to Ornan, No, I will verily buy it for the full price. I will not take that which is yours to offer to the Lord, nor will I offer a burnt offering without cost. And so David gave to Ornan 600 shekels of gold. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. And he offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And then David called upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord answered him from heaven by fire. And fire fell upon the altar of the burnt offering. And then David said, This is the house of the Lord our God. And this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. And that became the place of, the, of the, the altar of sacrifice in the temple. Ornan was threshing wheat on what today we call the Temple Mount. And he owned it. It was his property at the time. And the angel of God was literally standing over what would one day be the Temple Mount. And it was from there, the place that would be the future house of the Lord, that the judgment of Almighty God had begun. And it was there that the peace offering was made. And when David had offered the sacrifice that cost him 600 well, shekels, roughly an ounce of gold, you know, in today's record, uh, reckoning of gold, uh, that's close to a million dollars. David paid a million dollars for this piece of property that became the Temple Mount and became the place of the altar of the Lord. And when the fire fell from heaven, David knew this is the house of the Lord. And it was the fire of God that came that confirmed that this was the work of God. And even today, as we're going to see in the book of Amos, it's the fire of God's presence that confirms that which is the temple of the Lord. And it's also the altar of sacrifice that is required to do business with God. You know, somehow the church 
in America and the church in the last days got the idea that our salvation was free. Now, I know we've been freely forgiven. And I know that Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. But salvation is not free. There are requirements of the righteous who are being saved. You must confess your sins. You must repent and turn from your sins. You must provide your life a living sacrifice. You must learn to pick up your cross. You must learn to deny yourself. You must learn to crucify your flesh to the sinful desires of the flesh for the things of this world. And the love of this world is against the kingdom of God. And so there's a price to pay if you want to follow Jesus. He said, count the cost. Any man who begins to build and then realizes, wait a minute, this is going to really cost me something. This is not going to be cheap to be a Christian. Look, you can be a, a fan of the Las Vegas Golden Knights who are going to play for the Stanley Cup. Okay, that's like really cheap. All you've got to do is buy a little T-shirt or sit there and cheer for the Golden Knights while they play the game. It doesn't cost you anything to sit there and decide to be this or be that. But if you want to be a Christian, you better count the price. And the price is high. And the reason so much of the church is walking in deception is they never paid a price. They've embraced a version of Christianity that cost them nothing. And as David explained in his conversation with Ornan, you know, David knew there's no way I'm going to bring an offering to the Lord that costs me nothing. I'm not going to come before God with a faith that costs nothing. Look at what our salvation costs God. The Father had to give up his son, his only son. And Jesus had to bear not only the penalty of our sin in the flesh, he had to literally bear the curse that came upon all of humanity in the spirit. That was the price the Lord paid, and the Father paid as well, because he had to turn his back on his, on his only begotten Son. So God paid this incredible price. We can't even begin to imagine the price. It's an infinite price. There's not enough gold in the universe to weigh out the value of the price God paid. And God's looking to us that we too would pay a price. Now, we can't pay anywhere near what God paid, but we better not go empty-handed. And the problem with apostate Christianity is that people were told it's free. All you got to do is, here, repeat these few words after me. Say a little one-minute prayer, and, and on praise God, I'm, I'm not telling you that, you know, all of the evangelism efforts were, were a vanity, but what I'm telling you is that people that stop, if the, the limit of their faith was that they paid the price of repeating a few words. They, they endured the, the persecution, as if there was any persecution, of having to stand up in a church and go forward, or having to raise their hand, yeah, I want, I want Jesus, or going forward in a crusade. Oh, that was a really tough persecution. Humble yourself and say, I want to be, I want to be associated with this Jesus. I want to take whatever he's got. 
in terms of persecution and rejection. You can put that on my account as well. Okay, so there was a little bit of a price. But the price that God paid was huge. The price that David paid was huge. And the price that the remnant is going to pay is huge. The price that Israel paid at the time for David's sin was huge. 70,000 men died. The angel stands over America today, and the price that is about to be paid in our country is greater than you can imagine. And the price to be counted worthy among the remnant, what does it require? Come out of Babylon. Get Babylon out of your heart and out of your life. It costs us something to be in the remnant. It costs us something. The book of Amos. We're just going to cover a couple of... uh, Key verses, praise God, Amos chapter 2, verse 4. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. You know, and by the time Amos was sent with the prophetic word, and he was sent to, to Jerusalem, he was sent to the religious leaders, and he himself was a migrant farm worker. And here God sends basically... You know, the most elementary or base-level occupation, a man who was really nobody in terms of stature, God sends him down to the temple to rebuke the priesthood. For the transgressions of Judah I will not turn away. God had had more than he can take, and now the judgment was determined. It could not be changed. Because they despised the law of the Lord. They despised the word of the Lord. Now, if you would have gone to the religious leaders, like Amos did, and said, God's about to judge you because you despised the Torah, those religious Jews would have looked at you and said, are you insane? We love the Torah. We, we tie the Torah to our forehead. We've got, it. We've got a symbol of the Torah nailed to the walls of our house and in our doorways. We don't despise the Word of God. But yet God said they did. How is that possible? How could a people believe they were serving a God in heaven when the God in heaven said, no, you are not? The majority of people in America claim to be Christian today. The majority of those people are going to find out, no, they were not Christians. At least not in the sense of being born again and belonging to the Lord. They were the many on the wide road but yet they know it not. So Israel was being judged for despising the word of God and for not keeping his commandments, Amos 2, verse 4, and their lies. Oh, Israel had been filled with lies. The religious leaders, this message went to the temple. Their lies caused them to err, after which their fathers walked. They had inherited lies from their fathers. And it caused the people to walk in error. What were these lies? This was the rabbinical teaching. This was the teaching that Jesus derided when he said, you've made up burdens that God never intended, and yet you lifted not a finger to help the people. You yourself would not enter into the true covenant, and yet with your rabbinical false teaching, you have kept others out as well. A false version of the covenant had been taught to the people. Even like today, in America, where the false gospel has been taught to the people. All you need to do is raise your hand, repeat these little words after me. You know, dear Jesus, you know, no cross, 
no repentance, no weeping over your sin, no making restitution to the people you've offended. No, none of those things that are in the Scripture. You know, we have the new and improved version of Christianity. All you got to do is say a few words, and you're good to go. Straight to hell. With everybody else on the wide road who's been following the lies that have been taught by our fathers. Now many will seek to enter by a wide road, doing what is right in their eyes, and they will not be allowed. For straight is the way, and narrow is the gate that leads to light, life, and few there be that find it. And that really should put the fear of God into us. But Israel was walking in the way that seemed right in their own eyes, and in reality they had despised the word of God and they've not kept the commandments of the Lord. Rather, they were following the teachings of men. And doesn't that sound like our time? Verse 4, continuing. Thus saith the Lord, for three, pardon me, for three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Now we're talking about the judgment on Israel. Because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. And that word for sold in Hebrew is makar, and it means to sell a person as merchandise into slavery. And when did Israel sell the righteous for silver? Well, at the time Amos said these words, no doubt they would have thought of Joseph, who had been sold for 20 pieces of silver. But as we've been teaching, Bible prophecy always is fulfilled twice. Another who is righteous was later also sold for silver. And in his case, the price was higher because he was the king of kings. And so the great price that they valued the Lord at was 30 pieces of silver. Israel has sold the righteous for silver, and they sold the poor. They sold people into slavery for the value of a pair of shoes. And I think the, the shoes are a metaphor of just trampling over the rights of the people. We were never supposed to sell our brothers and sisters into slavery simply because they were poor. But yet that's what Israel had done. Amos 2.8, And they lay themselves down upon clothes that were, that were pledged by every altar. And they drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Here Israel was engaged in fornication with the people of the land, with the pagan people. And the clothing that they were laying down on had actually been consecrated, had been dedicated to other gods. And they were partying, they were drinking wine with the pagan people, and the scripture calls it the wine of the condemned. And that word for condemned is anash, and it means those that will be punished, those who are under the penalty of the law, which is death, and thus they are condemned to die. And here Israel was partying with those that are about to die. And so too today, most of the church is completely immersed in the world, in the nation that is about to be judged. Amos 2, verse 11 and 12. And I raised up from your sons prophets, and out of your young men I called Nazarites. Is it not so, O children of Israel? But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink, and you commanded the prophets, saying, Prophesy not. And isn't that today's people looking to compel compromise wherever they go? They want the Nazarites who were 
consecrated to not drink alcohol. They want the Nazarites to drink, and they want the prophets to be silent. Amos 3, verses 1 through 3. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, and against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all of your iniquities. Nothing had been forgiven these people. They had gone so far that the Lord refused to forgive anything at this point. Now they would be judged for all of their iniquity. Can you imagine what that would be like for any of us? I couldn't handle being judged for even a few of my iniquities, let alone all of them. But this is what Israel had, was facing. And then the Lord says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer is no. Unless you are in agreement, unless you're in agreement by the Spirit, you can't walk together. Children of darkness and children of light cannot walk together. Children of the kingdom cannot enter into agreement with the children of this age. And therefore, we cannot walk together. And that's why the constant conflict. But Israel, in compromising and walking with the world, had forsaken their walk with the Lord. So, too, in the lives of so many Christians today, who in reality are walking in the world, and they don't know why they can't hear from the Lord. Well, you can't walk with the Lord unless you enter into agreement with the Lord. And if you're not walking with the Lord, you can't be walking in the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the presence of the Lord. In order to walk in the Spirit, you must walk in the presence of God. And in order to walk in the presence of God, you must be in agreement with God, and you must be at peace with God, which means you must have a short list God's brought conviction on you need to have repented of. But you know, the Lord desires to restore his people, so don't let the enemy condemn you. But this is the truth. We need to return to the Lord. We need to get into agreement with God. We need to get into agreement with God's word. And we need to throw off the teachings of the men. You know, Israel had been deceived by the teachings of men. So too the church in America has been deceived by all of these doctrines of men, doctrines of demons, false prophets, false ministries. You know, and, and the true word of God is very precious. There's a famine in the land. You know, my friends, Bruce and Rhonda Johnson, they have the true rima word of God. There's no famine in their house. They may have little in terms of the wealth of the world, but they are rich in terms of the wealth of the kingdom. Brothers and sisters, you want to come alongside people who have the rima word of God in their hearts, who are filled, where their lamps are filled with the anointing. Because it's only the anointing that's going to get us through this time. It's only the presence of God that's going to be the light when the, literally the darkness covers the entire earth. You're going to want to be in agreement with people who are walking with the Lord. And you're going to want to come into agreement with the Lord as well. Hallelujah. But Israel would not. They would not hear the word of correction. So in Amos chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, the Lord says, Well, then go to Bethel and transgress. Now, Bethel was where, you know, Jacob had had his vision, his heavenly visitation, and, you know, it was a place of great victory. It was a place of, 
of religious significance. You know, in in the minds of the Israelite people, Bethel was a holy place. You know, Bethel means the house of God. It was a place where God had intervened. But, you know, the Lord is not into the ritual. The fact that God at one time met Jacob in Bethel doesn't mean that Bethel will always be anointed. Bethel became a habitation of devils and false worship, and they brought the golden calf to Bethel. Bethel became a house that was destroyed, and so too today. There are churches, there's a church called Bethel in California that's full of, of spirits you want nothing to do with. And here the Lord said, go, go ahead and run after the false prophets. Go to the places of false worship. Go there and transgress. Go to Gilgal and multiply your transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning and your tithes after three years. Do your ritual and offer your sacrifice with leaven. It's unclean what's being done. And proclaim it and publish it. For this liketh you. You love this, O Israel says the Lord. You want to offer a corrupted offering to me. You want to come with a heart that's still in love with the world. You want to pretend to have turned from your sin, but your lusts are hidden within you. And so go after them. God is literally turning Israel over, even as he's today turning America over to her own way. Oh, you want to have a non-gender country? You want to call every perversion under the sun good? And you want to call the truth of God evil? Then let you have your way. Go and transgress, America, until you fill the cup of iniquity and until my judgment is ready to literally pour out like a fountain of righteousness. And so a remnant will be saved, and for everyone else, pestilence and the sword and the famine and the war remain. Amos 4, verses 10 to 12. I have sent among you the pestilence. After the manner of Egypt, God had already begun to judge them. You're young men I've slain with the sword. People were already dying. 70,000 died in the judgment for David's sin. And I've taken away your horses. God was stripping them of their power. And I've made the stink of your camp to come up in your own nostrils. Have you ever been among the wicked where the Lord is literally turning them over and he's allowing them to start to stink? It's one of the curses, the stink of your camp. I remember the Lord at one point told me, go and visit the dead. And I knew who he was talking about. And I didn't want to go, but I did. And the stink of their camp. Oh, I couldn't really get too close. The smell of death was all around them. Because they had turned, they had forsaken the way of the Holy One. They had chosen the way of compromise. Drinking the wine of the condemned. Seeking the pleasures of Babylon. And all the while praying to the God that they claimed to believe in, but yet could not walk with, because they were not in agreement with this God. And well, and truly, truly, they don't even know what they're doing. But that's no excuse. The people that are on the wide road, they don't know they've been deceived by Satan. They don't know what they're doing. At the last day, they're going to cry out, Lord, Lord. We thought we knew your name. Well, you did know his name. You just didn't know him. And I'm, I can't even imagine what that experience will be like. The stink of their camp was coming up into their own nostrils, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. I mean, God was like putting it in their face to show them how far they had fallen from him 
and yet they couldn't see it. And then he says, I've overthrown some of you as I did Sodom and Gomorrah. They literally burned. And you were a firebrand plucked out of the burning. And yet you've not returned to me, saith the Lord. Therefore I will do this unto you. And because I'm doing this, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. You know, God had been judging them in measure. Pestilence had come. The sword had come. You know, in, in looking at our country, the economy's been collapsing. Forty percent of our country is basically living in poverty right now. Barely able to meet the basic needs. The whole system teeters on the edge of bankruptcy. A huge house of cards printed based on printed money that is going to all simply collapse. You know, it was... Um, yeah. It was literally built to fall. It was built to fail. It was built to collapse and, and the ruin of many. And then the judgment of the great war. Prepare to meet thy God, O America. Amos 5, verse 10. They hate him that rebukes in the gate. And they hate him that rebukes on the Internet. They hate him that rebukes on blog talk radio. Believe me, they hate us. And they don't even know why. The spirit in them hates us. They abhor him that speaks uprightly. You know, those that are walking in compromise, those that had forsaken the Lord and were comforting themselves with the ritual that, well, we're going to Bethel, we're offering our sacrifices, we're doing the ritual. The high priest and the religious leaders, they were doing everything commanded by the Lord, and yet God said, you despise my word. What? How? You offer sacrifices that are full of leaven, that are unclean. Nothing that they were doing was clean. There was an ulterior motive. It was really about, you know, their own lust hidden in the background. They really didn't come to serve the Lord at all. They were serving another, and, and yet they had so successfully hidden the truth, even from themselves, that they had successfully deceived themselves. And in that state, they hated the ones who were rebuking, and they abhorred those that were actually speaking uprightly. Verse 13, Amos 5, 13, Therefore the prudent shall keep silent in that time, for it is an evil time. And that's this time, brothers and sisters. And the general admonition of, from Scripture today is to keep silent. If you're prudent, if you're wise, do not tell everybody that you meet who you are, what you know, what is coming. They're not, if it's not of the Lord, if the Holy Spirit has not given you the utterance, and given you the burden that, no, I want you to speak to this one. If you don't know that the Spirit of God is directing you to speak, the Word of God is commanding you to be silent. Well, why is that? Because it's a dangerous time. Think of the Jews in Germany in 1936. Would you be stopping any German on the street corner and trying to convince them of the truth? Oh, by the way, you know, be sure to share with them that you're spiritually Jewish. No, you, you could just as easily be talking to the Gestapo. The church had to be wise. The Jewish people, the people of God had to be wise as serpents in that time. 
well, we better wake up. We're in a similar time. You need to be very cautious. You need to be as wise as a serpent. Think about it. They move silently. They don't advertise what they're doing. Only share what you need to share with people who need to know. And then only as you feel led by the Spirit. And at the same time, please pray for people like Frank and people like me, because we've been commanded of the Lord to shout the truth from the housetops. When the, the average person... God's commanded them to be silent. There's a few voices the Lord commanded us to speak. I didn't really want to come, you guys. Serious. When I first got the phone call, we want you speaking. We've, we read your book. We want you on national tour. We want to put you on TV. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to do that. No. That could get me in a lot of trouble. And they're like, well, would you pray about it? I'm like, oh, why would they ask that, right? I already knew what the answer was going to be. You know, I didn't come for my benefit. I came for yours. And and Frank and, and the other people that have been called by the Lord to bring a word of truth in this hour, we're here because we have been called by the Lord, and we're here to bless the children of God. We're here to bless the remnant. And, you know, no, we're not great people. Don't get any misunderstanding. The Lord chose from the least of the saints. You know, that's the truth in this time. The remnant is not the great ones. We're the little ones. We're the ones who know. Without the Lord, we've got nothing. Frank, you know that. You had nothing until the Lord rescued you and delivered you and then restored your entire life to you, brother. He gave you everything back. It's amazing how God is so merciful. But you know, no doubt, brother, you'll never forget that there was a time where you had lost everything. And without Jesus, you had nothing. It's gone. And that's the, you know, the Americans don't know that yet. They're still under the deception. You know, they're under Satan's disguise, and they haven't figured out that they're about to lose everything. And without Jesus, they've got nothing. But the remnant we know, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Thus has the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. We're back to the time of the wheat harvest, you guys, which begins with Pentecost, which on the alternate calendar... Uh, assuming this was a leap year, is in a, maybe about three or four weeks from now. Three weeks from now is the Pentecost using the alternate Hebrew calendar based on the corn crop being mature or aviv in Jerusalem in the time of uh, the new moon in, in the March-April window. And Amos said, What seest thou? And I said, A basket of summer fruit. Oh, Amos saw perfectly. God showed him summer fruit. And, and the fruit was about to <clears throat> be, be harvested. The people were about to reap what they had sown. And the Lord said to me, The end has come upon my people of Israel. I will not pass by them anymore. God had been given the people of Israel a pass. The Lord had gone through the land, and he was not happy with what he had seen. But in his mercy, he gave them a pass. 
and he gave them more time, and he sent his prophetic word, and he sent his spirit to convict them, and he had his word rebuke them to see if any would turn. Finally, we got to a point where the Lord said, the end has finally come, and I will no longer pass through this land anymore. I will not pass by them. And the songs of the temple shall become howlings and wailings in that day, saith the Lord God. And there will be many dead bodies in every place, and they shall cast them forth in silence. All these people that know so much and were so convinced that Amos was wrong and they were right, as they're burying the dead, they will be silent. Amos 9, verses 1 through 5. I saw the Lord standing upon the altar, and he said, Smite the lintel of the door that the post may shake, and cut them in the head, all of them, and I will slay the last of them with the sword. And he that fleeth, shall not flee away, and he that escapes will not be delivered. Though they dig into hell, there my hand will take them. And though they climb into heaven, from there I'll bring them down. And though they hide in the top of Carmel, I will search them out. And though they be hidden from my sight in the bottom of the sea, from there I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. And though they go into captivity before their enemies, then I will command the sword, and it will slay them. And I'll set my eyes against them for evil, and not for good. And the Lord God of hosts is he that toucheth the land, and it shall melt, and all that dwell therein shall mourn, and it shall rise up holy like a flood, and it shall be drowned. God pronouncing the final judgment. And notice that it begins with, Amos being shown a vision of the Lord standing on the altar. This is the altar of sacrifice. This is the burnt offering altar. This is the altar with the coals of fire. And here Jesus is standing in the very altar that burns before the throne in heaven. And it's a picture of the Lord who he himself presented his life a living sacrifice. He would one day be burned on that altar the forgiveness of sin for his people, and now standing in the very altar of judgment that would one day consume his own life as a man, he now proclaims and he declares the total judgment that had come upon apostate Israel. But that was not the end of the story, brothers and sisters, because, thank God, the Lord will never be defeated by our sin, and his plan for a remnant, and his plan for his kingdom will never be defeated, no matter how great our apostasy. The Lord will always bring a restoration of a remnant at the end. And Amos, Amos verse, let me start, in, I'm back in 9, verse 8. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are upon the sinful kingdom, and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth. Even as he destroyed ancient Israel, so too America faces the same judgment. Saying that I will not utterly destroy the house of Jacob. The kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of compromise was going to be utterly destroyed. It will be destroyed from off the face of the earth. You'll never see it again. But the house of Jacob will not be utterly destroyed. For lo, I will command and I will sift the house of Israel among the nations. That's what happened during the great diaspora during the great period of time when Israel wandered the nations like as corn is sifted in a sieve yet shall not the least grain fall upon the earth and, and that's the picture of 
the anointed remnant, the handful of corn lifted up on the top of the mountains. The Lord is saying, notwithstanding this judgment that I have just decreed against the corrupt and apostate nation of Israel in the time of Amos the prophet, nevertheless there will come a time when there will be a handful of corn that I'm going to sift and I'm going to take it through the threshing process and I'm going to, I'm going to literally purify it with the altar that burns with fire. But that corn will be holy unto me. And not even the least, the smallest of the grains of corn, not even the smallest of them, will pass through my hand and fall upon the earth. Yet all the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say the evil will not overtake or prevent us. And that's the, that's the attitude in the church today. You know, the, 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 there's not going to be any problems. We're all out of here before there's any suffering. Or, or, no, the day of the Lord's not going to come upon us. That's in another generation. Or, no, those prophecies were already fulfilled. Literally, thousands of years ago. We're going to take the kingdom. And it's all a lie. But the Lord goes on in Amos chapter 9, verse 11. In that day, the day that he lifts up the handful of corn on the top of the mountains, he says, I will also raise up the tabernacle of David that had fallen. And it's the true leadership. You know, the, there was a tabernacle of King Saul, but it was not of the Lord. Saul was a, was a man who operated in the flesh, and his mind was alienated from God. But the tabernacle of David had been anointed and appointed by the Lord, and it had fallen. God was going to raise it back up, and he was going to close up the breaches. He was going to restore the boundary between the truth and the lie, between the light and the darkness. And I will raise up his ruins, the ruin of the house and the, and the throne of David, and I will build it as in the days of old. God's going to restore the Davidic kingdom, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. This is, this is the remnant of, of Israel, the remnant of the people of God at the end of the age, they're going to possess the people of Edom and Moab and of all the heathen which are called by my name, says the Lord, that does this. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him that sows seed, and the mountains will drip with sweet wine and the hills will melt. And I will once again restore the captivity of my people Israel. Notice Israel's in captivity until this restoration occurs. You know, I've gotten a lot of flack for bringing forth the revelation that the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, though restored in the land, has not been restored to the Lord. And though they physically may be free, they're spiritually in slavery. And here God is saying, I'm going to restore them. I'm going to deliver my people Israel, and they'll build the waste cities and inhabit them. They'll plant vineyards and drink the wine thereof. They'll make gardens and eat the fruit of them. And I will plant them on their own land, and they shall no more be pulled out of their land, which I have given them, saith the Lord God. So the promise of the ultimate restoration at the end of the age is the final conclusion of the book of Amos. But, you know, the thing that really touched my heart the most was the picture of the Lord literally standing. Jesus has literally gotten up. He stands to judge the people. So as this is happening in the heavens. The Lord is standing up from his throne to utter and declare the judgment on ancient Israel. But what does he do? He walks down the great steps to the brazen altar that burns in the heavens before him. And the Lord himself walks right out into the midst of the fire of the altar when he declares the judgment. And a prophetic picture of how he himself one day would lay his life down on that altar. The perfect sacrifice. And that is the price that was paid for our salvation. 
And that's a measure of the, the response that God is looking for in us. And no, we can't, we can't equal the measure that was paid by the Lord, but God gave it all. He gave all that he had. And he paid the entire price for us. And in the camp of the remnant, the Lord is looking for people who are willing to give it all to him. They're willing to pay the total price, everything we have. You know, then there's the camp of the compromise. They want to drink the wine of the condemned. You know, can't we keep a little bit of our sin? And, you know, I mean, how much of this repentance stuff do we really have to do anyway? Right? Can't we kind of have our cake and then also have our salvation too? Can't we be in love with the world and with God? The answer is no. You cannot walk in agreement unless you're in agreement. You can't walk with the world unless you're in agreement with the world. And you cannot walk with the Lord and you cannot walk in His Holy Spirit unless you've come into agreement with the Lord. And you need to choose this day which house and which God, which kingdom you want to serve. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, folks, the Bible says that you were bought with a price, but not someone else's money. He actually bought it with his own blood. And I think, Benjamin, that's what you were trying to really share with us tonight, that the Lord paid the ultimate price. It was, you know, when they say, well, salvation is free, well, it, it, was, it was paid for with a very heavy price. The blood of the Messiah was shed. And the Lord is asking us to now follow him with all of our heart and with everything. And unfortunately, this watered-down gospel we have today, just say a few words, you know, live whatever you want, do whatever you want. That, that doesn't come anywhere from the Word of God. That comes from men's flesh who want their pocketbooks filled with your donations to their ministry. And so, Benjamin, thank you so much for sharing that with us tonight right out of the book of Amos. Um, folks, as Amen. we're getting ready to close up here, I just want to say one thing, Benjamin. I'll let you see if you just close us out with a word of encouragement here, um, as you were sharing so, with us just a second ago. Is that listen? Th- it is about spreading the good news, and and the fact that you brought up the Johnson family, I I, I have stressed so often on this program that folks don't ever compromise giving back to the Lord, and so you know. Here's people that are going out to serve God, and they're selling every – Benjamin, I had to go over there and just check it out, what they were doing. They're literally getting rid of everything, and they're just going. Hallelujah. Right. And so, folks, blessing people that are willing to go all the way, because some, some of you listening, you really can't go. Maybe some of you are home-ridden. Some people can't, but you can. One thing you learn in the Marines and the military is that – the front lines cannot survive without the rear support. It's just they can't. It's the rear support, the prayers and the finances that go out. That's what keeps the front lines going forth. And so by blessing people and blessing ministries to keep doing this, spreading the work, I am about missionary work with all of my heart. And it's not only in other countries, it's right in our own backyards. But here are people that are selling everything. They feel a call to Panama, and I say God bless them. 
Thank you for that, and may the Lord just prosper them in a powerful way to spread the good news of Jesus. Benjamin, could you just close us out with a word here? Yeah, amen, brother. You know, thank you for mentioning that, Frank. You know, I would just, to the listeners who've been, you know, faithfully listening to to my messages for over the years, you know, I would ask each of you, search your hearts, and, you know, give... If God, if God confirms it, and if you're able, give something to bless the Johnson family. Even if it's all you can afford is a five dollar or a ten dollar donation. Just the fact that so that there were a large number of hearts that were touched will bless them so much, and and they truly do need our help at this time. And so, you know, I just pray, Lord, God, you move us to do your will. The Scripture says, in the day of your power, Lord. Your people will be made willing. Lord, we want to do your perfect will. And it's a time of such confusion. Bring your conviction upon us, God. Show us our sin that we must and, and need to repent of, Lord, that we could enter into agreement with you, God, that there'd be nothing dividing us, nothing that would be creating a, a, a division between us and you, Lord, that we could walk with you in the reality of your presence and in the fullness of your spirit. Lord, that we might be able to be part of the work that you're doing in this time. And Lord, bless the, the hearing of this word. Bless Brother Frank. Lord, bless each listener. Meet the needs of your people, God. Lord, awaken us to the lateness of the hour. Show us all what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, folks. Thanks for joining in tonight. This is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.